0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio.
1: That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And as you hopefully are well aware there is a Eucharistic revival uh, going on not only in the Diocese of Sacramento, but throughout our country, throughout the world. Uh, uh, a three-year program, if you will, uh, but it is a, a huge, hugely important to all of us and to our faith. It started on June the 19th, Juneteenth, Father's Day, <laughs> a lot going on on uh, June 19th uh, this year. And uh, we're pleased to welcome in the committee co-chair here in the Diocese of Sacramento, Valerie Ramos. Uh, Valerie, good day to you.
0: Good evening. How are you?
1: I'm doing fine. Is it Ramos or Ramos?
0: It's Ramos.
1: Ramos. Very good. Is, mm-hmm. that, more, is that more common? Uh, I've had a number of friends with that last name, and it goes both ways with me. Yeah,
0: it does, and I think it's just how the family wants it to be pronounced. My husband wants Ramos.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. i I've, I've I've I'm a big believer in always pronouncing someone's name the yep. way they want it pronounced. If it, Even if it's spelled Smith and they say it's pronounced Jones, then I'm going to call him Jones.
0: <laughs> well, you know, that's kind of the respectful thing to do. So we, we try to pronounce it the best we can. <laughs> yes. And,
1: indeed, <laughs> indeed. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to be My with pleasure. us. How did you how, how did it come about that you were the co-chair of this committee?
0: Uh, All I can say is the Holy Spirit, because I don't really know how that happened. I know that um, they were looking for for people. um, And the first person they, I think it was the first person they asked, uh, just couldn't because of health and different reasons. So uh, someone recommended me, and that's all she wrote.
1: (laughs) And you're you're a member of Good Shepherd in Elk Grove? Yes. I always love the address of Good Shepherd Racket Court, and I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to bring my t- tennis racket or my swimsuit.
0: Well, that big racket club is right next. Right. Door. Sometimes the you can
1: hear club. them playing tennis during mass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or, or pickleball nowadays, I guess. That's yeah. right. Yeah.
1: So, um, tell us about your role there at at uh, Good Shepherd. Uh,
0: well, let's see. My husband and I are the. Uh, RCIA coordinator I think our fourth or fifth year there doing that I'm not sure Um, but it's so each year becomes more exciting Uh, the Holy Spirit is just really drawing people into the church in these days so uh, this year our class is 21 strong and we still have a couple more weeks of open registration Um, so it it just keeps growing and a lot of young younger people are coming into the church for all kinds of reasons. So it's just beautiful to watch God take people, bring them in, and then just watch their their spirituality just grow before your eyes over the course of,
1: of the year. Boy, that's so encouraging. Uh, it's you know, so you, encouraging. You, yeah, you, you, you worry. You know, I guess we should never worry. This is the uh, church Jesus Christ founded. He's not going to— He's He's not going to let it disappear. Right. But we do, you know, we do. Uh, the youth are are the future of this church, and mm-hmm. uh, we. I know. I I talk to people in vocations a lot, and uh, uh, they just had uh, what twenty deacons ordained. You know, which is oh just a goodness. huge class. You know, and um, oh, it's we, it's we need that. Oh, <laughs> uh, we we really need that. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. So, how was June nineteenth? Selected.
0: Uh, well, it's the Feast of Corpus Christi. Feast, Feast of so, uh, Corpus
1: Christi for sure. Mm-hmm,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that was from the USCCB. They they asked all the um, the dioceses that were going to participate to to start that day as the kickoff, which is very apropos. But as you said, because it was like a, a triple delight of right. of a Juneteenth and Father's Day, there was you know, and at the cathedral where we had the kickoff. You know, Bishop Soto and Father uh, Bart Landry, who's the pastor for the uh, Black Catholic Ministry right, of right. the Diocese. You know, together can celebrate it, and they they just brought those three together in such a beautiful way. You know, highlighting uh, the Body and Blood of mm-hmm. our Lord, uh, Father the the, the Father's um, love for his, his his children on this Father's Day, and then. Um, uh, uh the emancipation of the uh, the enslaved uh, africans mm-hmm. on that day uh just the, the liberty and the family and, and 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 all of the love that just undergirds all of that so it was just amazing
1: that's so it's just so wonderful it's it's uh, it, it's interesting There's use three you know and the trinity's so central to our faith that yeah. you know, these three big uh Big events all all coinciding on June nineteenth, right. not to mention I think the Giants were playing the Dodgers that day <laughs> <laughs> oh, <really>? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so you know I, I guess part or maybe a lot of the this Eucharistic revival is based on that uh, Pew research poll that uh, showed a, a significant number of Catholics don't necessarily believe in the real presence.
0: Uh, you know, may, maybe, may, I'm sure that may have had something to do with it. We, in, in our um, committee, our Eucharistic Revival Committee, have talked a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think in part it, it's all, you know, a response to that, but I think the bishops have, for a while, just wanted to really emphasize just the significance, mm-hmm. the premier significance of the Eucharist in the lives of the church. And so, you know, that was kind of just added fuel. Added fuel, sure. Yeah, yeah. And so we've we've had some really intense discussions about it, and and some on the committee brought up some really interesting points, and that is, well, let's let's make sure that we're clear that – that we have a devotion to god let's just start mm-hmm. there let's just let's just talk sure. about god you know and so there's lots of things to focus on um in regards to what the eucharist means to us because if you get uh, we're finding if you get five people in a room and you talk about the eucharist you're going to get five perspectives that mm-hmm. have a different emphasis so so it's interesting it, it, it's giving us a, an opportunity to really Reflect on what is what is the Eucharist and what does the Eucharist mean to our lives and what does it mean for how we live? These are the kinds of discussions we're having um, that's making it really rich, rich dialogue.
1: Yeah, and it, it you know, it, it is the, it, we hear this all the time, this, this phrase, it's the source and summit of our faith. Mm-hmm. And, and it really is, uh, uh, unique i, I don 't know if we are the only ones, but pretty much uh, recognized as the, the ones that that truly believe in the real presence uh, a, a lot of other Christian uh, denominations will have a communion service of some sort and and, and make it very clear in, in, in their minds or in their ceremonies that this is. Um, remembrance or, or representative uh, symbol, um, et cetera, and I don't say that with any denigration at all. Of um, but um, we are unique that that we believe it's the body and blood of Christ, and it, you know the the words. Take this. This is my body. Take this. This is my blood, and then yeah. explaining why you do that um, for the forgiveness of sins, and you know it's it's the words are so clear. Yeah. And, and I, like probably many, many, many people, have run those words over in my head yeah. many times, sometimes in talking to people, but just sometimes just alone, um, talking to God or talking to myself and, and saying, okay, let's see if there's some wiggle room here. Let's see if there's another way to look at that um, and trying to be charitable. And, and because, I, I mean, I think, I think in that Pew survey, a, a great number of those people, would consider themselves to be faithful Catholics. It's not like they're rejecting a church teaching, uh, some fundamental church teaching. They, they just, for some reason, just regard it as a symbol, but they still are very reverent, and they still are very Catholic. They just don't happen, you know, when they an- answer a survey, they just say, well, I don't actually, maybe a lot of them are uncertain, or a lot of them, uh, for whatever reason, you can't lie to yourself, I guess you could lie to a pollster, but you can't lie to yourself, you know, you know what you believe and what you don't. And, and, and then uh, other people have said to me, well, I don't know that it really matters. You know, I mean, I, I go to mass and I love Jesus and I believe Jesus is my savior and I don't, I don't understand why it matters. Well, it does matter, but I can see what they're saying, you know, that, that, um, for whatever reason, and, you know, the rest of us can't pat ourselves on the back, we believe, because of the for grace sure. of, of God, you know.
0: Right, right. Yeah, uh, I've heard a, a particular perceptions or, or or perspectives on the, the on the Pew study uh, saying that the, perhaps it had to do with the way the questions were, a- be. were asked. Could be. Because it made you choose a particular answer when maybe two of them uh, were more in line with what the person really felt, and so mm-hmm. it kind of could skew things. So we know that it's difficult to design surveys, and it's difficult to, to analyze them and really capture everything. So, uh, you know, in informal conversations that we have with lots of Catholics, we in the com- committee have, have noticed that most people do seem to believe, mm. uh, at least the ones who are there at church Right now. Those who are not at church, that's another question. But, you know, part of the really interesting thing that we're, in our discussions, are, are coming to see is that uh, is the focus of the Eucharistic revival basically liturgy and understanding, you know, the mass better and understanding mm-hmm. that it is really Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity? Or are there other things that we need to really concern ourselves with, in addition to making sure everybody believes that. And that's where we get into our three uh, sub-themes. So the theme of the Eucharistic Revival for Sacramento is real presence, real life. Mm -hmm. And just coming up with that was was quite a bit of discussion, and we really (laughs) are happy with with that theme because it it encompasses what we're getting at. And our sub-themes are, An encounter with Christ, the sacrament of charity, and a welcoming church. Mm -hmm. And, And so that's where the the real life part comes in, because yes it is the real presence, but what does it mean for us as Eucharistic people to live the true authentic Catholic Christian life? You know, how does that look? And so it's that sacrament of charity and it's a welcoming church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's from talking to a lot of people, too, like these listening circles we've been having, these listening sessions. Right. You know, we, we want to open our arms to um, everyone. As a Catholic church, we want to let them know that we love all everyone and, and no one is outside of this, the, this, the touch of God's love. So there's a lot.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, the listening sessions um I think are potentially very valuable and and yet I I wonder how how able we were to reach people sort of outside the church people who have fallen away from the church. Um, mm-hmm. that's real difficult. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. trying to do it with a phone call or meeting people in the grocery store, but I, uh, yeah. pr- if they've fallen away from the church, they may be very unreceptive to coming back to give their opinion about things. And yeah. and yet those people, we, we really want to talk to them.
0: Indeed. It's so true. Uh, at Good Shepherd, you know, Father Michael Vaughn uh, right. has allowed us to have really a... a a beautiful experience with the listening circle in terms of just inviting hither and yon, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and, and so it turned out well. We had, you know, uh, not a huge number, but but some uh, in our circles who were not Catholics, who were not Christians, and who gave their perspectives about, you know, the Catholic Church. So mm-hmm. we did learn, and I think everyone left feeling like, wow. I think they felt like they appreciated the opportunity to listen and to share. And those of us from the church felt like, well, that was great to to hear other views, you mm-hmm. know, so it's a good start. I hope that we can continue with that
1: yeah i would I would hope so too. I'll be anxious to see some of the the you know I know that people were taking notes to just uh you know not, they weren't taking names, they were taking notes uh <laughs> to to uh to Kind of compile it all and 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 put it into some of sort of form that we could all read and 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 sort of make sense of. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, when many times on, on this show and just in everyday life, I've talked to people who are converts to the faith, and my mother being one of them, and not not without exception, but ma- the vast majority of them, when I say it was, you know, was it a bolt of lightning? What was it? Uh, they cite the Eucharist.
0: Yes,
1: you have yes. the Eucharist, mm-hmm. and my my faith didn't, or you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, again, mm-hmm. not not to denigrate anybody, but that this was that was something that that brought them over.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I myself am a uh, was not always Catholic. I wasn't raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. I was raised in the Baptist mm-hmm. church. Uh, I, uh, and then I myself went over to non-denominational and kind of charismatic Christian mm-hmm. uh, traditions, and beautiful experiences for sure. But um, the more I learned about you know Catholic doctrine and theology, um, I, I couldn't I couldn't deny it. And when I came to an understanding of the Eucharist, well that's that's what held me. That's what held me there. The Blessed Mother and the Eucharist.
1: Wow, yeah, yeah the, the blessed mother. I hear that a lot from my uh, non-catholic things uh, friends. What is what's this, what is this about you and Mary? What's what's the deal, you know? And and uh, uh there's uh, just something so comforting about uh, about the blessed mother. Oh my. And of uh the whole world in itself. And then, you know, here, uh, growing up here in the Central Valley of California, I felt like the Our Lady of Guadalupe was stalking me. You know, it's just <laughs> everywhere I turned, there she was, you know, and uh, you, you just it's 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 amazing how how that that is. And, you know, I, I don't understand, uh, uh, you know, I, I probably when I was a little kid, I probably thought Mary was deity. You know, I probably mm-hmm. had trouble mm-hmm. distinguishing, you know. Mm-hmm. But and now, when you explain to people, it no, she's a, she's a saint, she's a, yeah. she's a human being who's who's a saint. She, oh, by the way, the mother of God, but, yeah. you know,
0: and your mother, too,
1: and my mother, too, exactly. You know, and and I know my mom, who grew up in North Dakota, was Lutheran, which I think is state law in North Dakota, and uh, <laughs> and she uh, she went to a Catholic nursing school in Bismarck, and she said, Nobody. Tried to convert me in any way, but it was run mm-hmm. by it was run by mm-hmm. nuns. I'm not sure uh, who, which group it was, but um, and she said they just had something, and I wanted, yeah. you know, yes. they, oh they my lived goodness, it. It's so true. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and uh, it's always stuck with me that they lived it, and it converted my mom, you know, who was a very intelligent woman, <laughs> yeah, and a yeah. very good woman who really cared about the world and people and mm-hmm. and interpersonal relationships. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. man, if they could convert my mom just by example,
0: that's, I, a, that's a real statement to, to the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have a, a similar uh, per- personal story. You know, I, I converted to uh, Catholicism, and as I watched my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law, God rest her soul, uh, they, you know, being... Mexican women, Mm -hmm. they had a very uh, deep devotion to the Blessed Mother. And I remember listening to them speak about Mary in these really just loving, very personal tones, and I didn't know what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand. And so I remember coming home and praying and saying, Jesus, you know, I I don't think I'm supposed to be talking to anybody but you, but I just want to ask if I can get to know your mother. And wow. that that prayer did not go unanswered. Mm. Yes, I mean a lot happened as a result, direct, immediate result of that prayer. So I just encourage everyone listening: if you don't know the Blessed Mother, to, uh, try talking to her. She'll 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 answer.
1: Wow, you know I, <laughs> I I I don't tell this story very often, but it was it was years ago. I was probably probably in my mid-20s, and I, uh, Saturday, uh, there was a knock on my door. People don't just knock on your door unannounced anymore, but there but was a knock on the door. It was the mayor of my town who, as far as I know, was an atheist, um, and he had been to the Vatican. And he'd been to Rome, you know, and had gone to the Vatican. Okay. <laughs> and he had bought this plastic rosary, you know just a, a very probably the one of the cheaper rosaries you could buy there mm-hmm. and and he says i brought you a present from the vatican you know and i he, he kind of joked that he had uh, the pope had blessed it which i don't think had actually <laughs> been the case but he kind of it was almost like a gag gift to him oh, no. you know but not in a bad way not in a bad way he he knew i was catholic okay. and and he was he was being friendly but but you know he figured well i'll, I'll I'll take Bob something Catholic from, from the Vatican, and and so he, he gave me this plastic rosary, and it had been a while since I had prayed the rosary, and you know he left and I thanked him and we had a good laugh, you know, and off he went, and so I I put the rosary in my pocket and I sh- started to walk through the neighborhood, and but I lived about a couple of blocks from where you're just out in the ag fields. I Live in a little town in Northern California, and was walking along next to an irrigation ditch. There was water in the tomatoes or the corn or whatever mm-hmm. and and but it was it was late summer so so it had very little water in it but it, and it was a it was a, a, a concrete ditch you know i mean it was it was mm-hmm. paved if you will right mm-hmm. and I got about oh half a mile out into the country praying this rosary. Mm-hmm trying to remember all the mysteries (laughs) and there in the ditch in the was a full life-size painting of our lady of guadalupe what yes and i just stopped dead in my tracks
0: oh my
1: and i said oh my god i did i just like oh my gosh what on Earth is happening here. She
0: wanted you.
1: Yeah, so I called her a stalker. And ever since then, I've referred to her as Our Lady of the Ditch. <laughs> you know, and it was just like it was just—it was one of those things that just sends chills. It is. Wow. You, you, know, you're, it's, you're, you're out of control. I mean, it's oh, not, it's not my. within your control. That's right. Uh, you can't ignore what just happened.
0: Ah, oh, every step of ours is ordered.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. So it sounds like we have similar experiences with the blessed yes, mother. Yes,
0: yes, I we could probably go on. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should spread that <laughs> message more. to more
1: people We're to uh, more. To, uh Amen. Have, have, I mean,
0: especially today, well, I don't know when this airs, but you know, today is uh, is um our lady of sorrows, which is a very yes. profound um
2: you
1: know, day. Yes, indeed it is yes the, f- the 15th of september yeah and then you know my it's 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 funny my my oldest sister is named mary which is also a, a rule in every irish catholic family is that the oldest sister is named mary and uh-huh. and, and and so I was born on September 12th, which is the feast day Ah, of, like, the...
0: Bob! Yes. Bob, are you kidding me? No, no. That's my birthday also. Oh, you're kidding! No.
1: I told my wife, I said, this happens to be the feast day of the, the, I think it's the Holy Face of the Blessed Mother? uh,
0: Mary's Name Day.
1: Mary's Name Day, yes. Yes, yes. And and then my middle name's Jerome, and my sister Mary was September 30th, which is St. Jerome Day. And, okay. <laughs> and, and I'm going, well, wait a minute. Now, ge- gestation is nine months. You go back nine months from September 12th, and where are you? You're at <sighs> December 12th, which is yeah. the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh,
0: my <laughs> yes. goodness. Well, I don't know. She she called you. I guess
1: so. Herself. Yeah. 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 It's, it's strange, isn't it? And and everybody is called, you know. Oh,
0: Indeed.
1: Well it's 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 just wonderful to hear about the Eucharistic revival and how many great people like yourself are, are really deeply involved in it. And I I'm just I pray I, I'm so happy we're doing this and, and I pray it, it and it will. I know it will bear great fruit.
0: Amen. Thank you for your prayers. We we really need them because we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to make this something that touches every not only every parish, but every family and every person uh, so that we all grow in our our devotion, our awareness, and then our living a Eucharistic life. That's that's just so key, that we live what we have received.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it doesn't, doesn't do you any good to have all this in your heart and then live a different way
0: Mm -hmm. or treat Mm -hmm.
1: people a different way.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, if we want to draw people into the church, we have to, we have to let them see Christ in us. Yep.
1: Yeah. In all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Valerie, thanks so much for, uh, for what you're doing here. And thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. And I hope our Mm -hmm. paths cross again soon.
0: Amen, amen. And if you ever want to talk about what's going on at St. Francis, let me know, because um, it's it's good stuff.
1: At St. Francis?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm the diversity coordinator there. We had talked about it a little bit last time. Yeah. I, and what? so um, you said if, if we ever got on again, we could do a little update. Well, let's just to to go. We
1: have a few minutes if you'd like ah. to. I, I, I believe you stole our pastor. <laughs> Who was your pastor? Uh, uh, Father Ray.
0: Father Ray. Bursible? No, at at um at St. Francis High School.
1: Oh, St. Francis High School. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, he's he's now at St. Francis the the. Oh, parish. I see. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, St. Francis High School. That's exactly right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, you know, just just briefly. So God has blessed us with a a, a wonderful new president, Dr. Fadia Desmond. Um, and she's got some really uh, great ideas uh, for St. Francis High School. She's jumped in with two feet. She just started. We talked um, to her summer.
1: about a month ago. Oh, Very right, impressive.
0: Okay. Yeah, she, she is just as wonderful as she. I'm sure she came across on your show. Yeah. Um, and uh, some of the, the emphasis that we have this year, you know, we're continuing to work on hiring for diversity mm-hmm. uh, because it's, it's tough to get you know, teachers of color uh, on school campuses. I mean, people in general are, are leaving the teaching profession because it's just tough. Right. And so to really, you know, let the, the, the teaching uh, faculty uh, reflect the student um, body is so important uh, for all of the students. And so we're really working hard to um, find ways to, to reach out to teachers, Uh, to attract them to the school. And so one thing we have in place is a scholarship uh, for black teachers. If they have a daughter who's of high school age, um, their daughter will qualify for a scholarship if those teachers will be hired in a teaching position, a full-time teaching position. We just want to get that word out so that people know we really are serious about, you know, recruiting.
1: Boy, that's a great idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's exciting, and I'm really uh, appreciative that admin was was willing and able to to make that happen. Uh, and we're excited about um, preparing to offer ethnic studies as a required course. It's required mm-hmm. uh, in the universities and in the public schools. I, bu- I believe starting next year. Uh, and so we're, but, you know, as a private school, we're not required, right. but we are are we are requiring it ourselves. Um, one, because it's a college preparatory school, so we want the girls to be ready, you uh-huh. know, and have the qualifications to get in. And it's just the right thing to do. You know, and the girls, all of them are asking, we want to learn about all of the, the communities in our area. Mm-hmm. And we want to be fully, you know, uh, educated. So. Uh, we're excited that that's in the works as well.
1: Wow, who's who's putting together that curriculum, Danielle? You know? uh,
0: well, we are getting training from hopefully UC Davis uh-huh. uh, History Project. They have a great program there. They do, and um, and we're working with some of the school districts here. Elk Grove has got a great uh, curriculum. Uh, Twin Cities, Twin Twin Rivers, Twin Rivers, Twin Rivers, yeah. Twin Rivers also, mm-hmm. you know, is leading the way there. So. We're talking to different districts and, and putting our heads together.
1: Boy, that's great. You, you probably, with that as well, we will bring in a number of guest speakers, I would think. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah.
0: All the resources. So, anyway, thank you for letting me have a couple extra minutes.
1: Yes. On that. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm thrilled you reminded me. So, uh, it's awfully good to talk with you, and and I'm sure we will. We will talk again soon.
0: Sounds great. Thanks, Bob. Hey,
1: thanks, Valerie. Take care.
0: Oh, that's that's
1: uh, Ramos. And uh, she is the uh, co-chair of the committee, uh, the Eucharistic Revival Committee here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Uh, and you can learn all about it and, uh, uh, you know, be be a part of it in your parish and, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. We'll take a quick break back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store. Donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. 972-1212 and remember again the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 watt avenue right here in sacramento well bishop soto refers to christ the king retreat center as the jewel of the diocese and indeed it is what a beautiful oasis it is it's located in citrus heights uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Pastors Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour.
2: Hi, this is Brian Visitation, Director of Media and Communications for the Diocese of Sacramento. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Brian,
1: for the wonderful introduction, and thanks for all you do here in the great Diocese of Sacramento. We're pleased to welcome in Moises Roberto de Leon, uh, who is the, from the Office of Fa- Family and Faith Formation, Associate Director there of Family and Respect Life Ministry. Moises, always good to hear your voice. Hello, Bob.
2: Thank you for having me on.
1: Thanks thanks for joining us. We have a big event coming up, Ministry Days.
2: Yes, we do. It's one of our biggest ones, that uh, a whole office comes together and uh, puts it on. Um, this year, its uh, I want to say it's bigger. Uh, there's a lot of speakers we have from different areas uh, in our ministries, and we really wanted to provide the best for our community and our ministries uh, in Sacramento.
1: Now, it, Ministry Day's last fall was not canceled. It was postponed. It, <clears throat> and then it was rescheduled, I believe, for April 1st and got postponed again. <laughs> this one's going to happen.
2: Yes, it's happening. It's, it's happening. It's not going to get postponed. It's not going to be moved. <laughs> uh, other ones, due to the pandemic, and there were spikes uh, in cases, that's why we had to postpone it. But this time, we're already... Uh, working on the last details on uh, on mapping everything for our vendors and our speakers. Uh, our final confirmation—they're going to be attending. So we're we're ready. We're we're set to go.
1: Can people still sign up?
2: Yes, they can. So if they go to ministries. Dot com, they're mm-hmm. able to purchase their tickets ahead of time, mm-hmm. and that actually allows us to know exactly. Uh, how much uh, food we need to have for lunch. So they could actually register uh, a few days before the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, that allows us uh, enough time to know how many people are attending uh, and making sure we have enough uh, chairs and, and uh, very uh, good uh, uh, drinks and coffee for them on table. Just
1: ministrydays.com. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So tell us, uh, are, are there... Over the years, have, have we have we tweaked ministry days, or, or do, have we changed the format at all?
2: Oh, just a little bit, uh, not too much. Uh, it used to be the catechetical uh, uh, day for catechists. Uh, I know throughout the years I've heard that it that later on we added schools. So it used to be one day, and now it's a two-day event. So on the first day of ministry days, it's focused on Catholic school staff and teachers. So usually they have their own workshops, speakers that addresses the needs for the uh, that, our, that our school teachers are facing in Catholic schools, and then the second day is focused for the laity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, before there was a, a focus on on, on on the faith formation catechist uh, uh, from first communion to confirmation, even to RCIA, uh, and slowly it's been expanding to including all other ministries that we're doing in the parishes. So we're still addressing the need of our catechists and what they're facing now. But now we've added a family um, perspective to it, a marriage perspective to it, and also a pro-life perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have wonderful speakers in all the areas uh, that you can think of. Uh, This time I was able to bring some speakers to really talk about human sexuality. Mm -hmm in both English and Spanish, Uh, and they're they're here local speakers that we could actually bring to our parishes, even if, for example, a a person likes uh, one of the TOB speakers, so they're an theology of the body speakers, because they're local, other parishes can bring them on for any other activity as well. So we really wanted to provide a perspective of speakers that if they do like them, they can actually come and visit to the parishes whenever they have small retreats or uh, one-day retreats for the First Communion uh, people. Uh, now, when it comes to the holistic of, of the ministry itself, this year it has a little bit of a different theme. It used to be or, the main goal last year was St. Joseph because it was the year of St. Joseph. Sure. Uh, but now, as we're moving forward, uh, Paul Francis has declared that these coming up years to be uh, a revival of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So we've been trying to push for that conversation since uh, July, I believe mid-summer this year, and we're bringing speakers to talk about the Eucharistic perspective and renewal, and how can we apply that in our lives in mm-hmm. the next two three years? Uh, so part of our, our, our new theme will be being in that presence of the Eucharist, uh, and really launching the Eucharistic
1: Revival throughout our diocese in few days. Boy, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know if all fired up uh, is the right word. I know you should have fired up a lot in ministry, but I'm, I'm very excited and pleased and hopeful, optimistic about the Eucharistic Revival. I think it's a, a wonderful initiative.
2: I think it's also necessary here in in, in our at least in the states here in the US especially in California with everything going on uh, politically uh, with our fires going on I think going back to our basics going back to the Eucharist can bring us closer to God and really just establish that connection of where do we obtain the graces necessary to just overcome our day, to be able to achieve our, our connection with God and and be able to be who we are as human beings. And at the end of the day, the Eucharist provides that flow of love and, and, uh, and wonderful graces that God allows us to, to receive and feel and, and celebrate. So the fact that Pope Francis actually is pushing us toward a pathway of just being connected with everyone, and the best way to be connected is the Eucharist, uh, to the Universal Church, it, it just allows that uh, wonderful concept that we're all big family. Let, let's remember that's who we are uh, in the first place, and then slowly we could dive into the conversation of what makes us different. But let, let's uh, let's start it from the basic that we're all one big family as human beings.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I keep going. <laughs> excuse me, I keep going back to. Jesus's words and when he did it when he spoke those words and when he passed out the bread and wine and uh, I can't get over that he he instituted this it's not something like okay I Want to start a religion. I'm a man. I want to start a religion me not Jesus and Okay, what what are we gonna do? We're gonna teach love and compassion and brotherhood and sisterhood and all this stuff and uh, I'm going to tell people to eat some bread and drink some wine. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus is God. You know, it wasn't like a man established the Eucharist. Well, he, a, a man, a man who both fully man, fully God. But Jesus established the Eucharist, not just somebody off in the distance saying, well, I knew D- Jesus once, and I'm going to do this in remembrance of him. Jesus established the Eucharist. How... I don't know how anybody can deny that. You can deny his words, or that he, the 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 founder of our church, is also the one who established the Eucharist. I mean, we, we can see things within our church that are, uh, I, I guess, man-made. They're all based on 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 Jesus, and they're all based on the teachings of Jesus, etc. cetera. But um, you know the the. Uh, different different rules and things they get changed or or you know you get dispensations etc those those are minor this is something jesus founded Mm -hmm. you know and and there's no denying it and um and it is that's number one so you know it's true but number two is it has to be meaning of jesus did it it has to have profound meaning it's not just, oh, it's just something he just did. Uh, we don't need to think about it very much. It's just something he did. Yeah, he, he did it right before he died.
2: And, and that's one of the wonderful things that I, I think will overlook with the Eucharist is the fact that it's, uh, we do go to Mass uh, every Sunday. And I know every Sunday it's different a, a readings and everything. But when it comes to the, the concept of the Eucharist, it's one action done in eternity. So there's, there's, there's this, uh, several ways of viewing this depending on which theologian or which perspective you want to look at it. Either we go back in time in the moment that Jesus died and rose from the dead and we live that moment again and that event comes into our present time and we live that as if it was the first time every single time we go to Mass. And that concept of that action of eternity, that that action was meant not just for Jesus to do it back 2,000 years ago, but every time we go to Mass, it's living that moment as if it was the first time. Sometimes we forget that as we grow up, as as we form a family, as we get older, but the fact that we're we're asked to remember that again. God came down to us uh, and is willing to sacrifice himself and live that moment every single time uh, as if it was the first time ever. That just—it's so powerful to have someone or a God that's willing to live
1: it with us. As, as, as if it's, it's our first experience ever. Right, right. It's it's very powerful. So tell us about some of the uh, the. In fact, uh, one of the speakers, one of the keynoters, is a Eucharistic preacher, Father Daniel Williamson, who's really touring the country at the behest of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, um, uh, specifically with. Uh, Eucharistic Revival in mind.
2: Okay. Uh, so Father Daniel, uh, he's a uh, Franciscan, uh, and he's belongs to the Friars of the Renewal. So he's been assigned as one of the preachers uh, throughout the nation to which really go out and talk about what it means to be renewed in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he has prior experience being in the Air Force, um, and he's really served our country uh, through various uh, positions and everything. He's also um, doing current ministry at, uh, in Oakland uh, when it comes to uh, our local, um, what do you call it, uh, spiritual theology or, or, or seminaries there um, in the GPU. And also the fact that he likes to go around, especially when it comes to retreats and everything, to talk about God, sort of, uh, preaching the gospel of the good news and and the fact that he has joined uh, this mission of, uh, of what Pope Francis has been saying about being missionary disciples of mercy. Uh, so he's he's really talented on, on how he measures his personal life as he grew up in the faith. And when, when it comes to renewing the whole aspect of us being going back to the Eucharist and Tina and the in his talks. Uh, he's obtained mm-hmm. a, a-
1: good one. We had him on the program. He's very impressive. And then Kara uh, Morales, a marriage and family therapist. And uh, what, what will what will her topic be
2: and her focus? Her focus is going to be uh, talking to our Catholic school staff and uh, teachers uh, regarding what Usually, I'll say, or usually the way that she kind of explains it is uh, it wasn't as important or never, parents never really knew the science of what depression or anxiety can be uh, in our teens. So she's going to bring that conversation of how for the parents to better connect with their teens, but having our teachers be the first aid responders and recognizing those signs, especially as we come out of the pandemic, how stressful and how anxiety was built up in uh, our youth, as they were going through their academic process of finishing uh, middle school I and mean high school, as they're entering into college, there was not enough resources or people that we could connect socially or network physically with. And one of those anxieties still exists as, as they go back into schools in person. Uh, so she's going to provide a holistic approach of how to really engage our youth. And how to better serve them as they're going through this anxiety and depression, and seeing those first signs of mental health, and, and really connecting with the parents in order for them to uh, have the, all the resources necessary.
1: Very good. Very good. She's, she. We also had the the uh, great pleasure of in, of uh, interviewing her, and and boy, people are in for a treat. There's no question about it. And then, of course, Father Michael T. Martin.
2: Uh, Father Martin, um, he's kind to of, uh, be focusing on, on, the, on the teachers as well. Uh, his more focus is just bringing everyone together uh, and really trying to present more of a unity or a front within our uh, Catholic church, uh, especially when it comes to our schools. How can we really work as one family? have been asking is really a particular topic that they could feel as if they were one big family when it comes to faith formation and building, when it comes to academic base.
1: Uh, Moises de Leon, about uh, ministry days coming up. Uh, well, Friday is for the Catholic school teachers primarily, and then Saturday, September 24, St. Francis Catholic High School, nine, 5900 Elvis Avenue here in Sacramento. You can go to ministrydays.com. Uh, if you want to learn more, you can also call 916-733-0135 or go to ministrydays at scd.org. SCD is Sacramento Catholic Diocese, so ministry Days at scd.org. And then from the Oregon Catholic Press, you have a Grammy-nominated Pedro Rubalcava.
2: So, Pedro, uh, one of the things that we wanted to address at the same time as we're doing the Eucharistic Revival is uh, addressing our need and our concerns with the liturgy. Uh, as we're going to be focusing on the Mass, uh, Bishop had a concern that... Uh, we're not addressing what type of music we're listening to, or sometimes our choirs aren't up to date with what music is appropriate or not, so we wanted to bring Pedro to bring the conversation. How can we uh, get the resources in order for our choirs, for them to know which is the updated version of the, of the rights and the protocols when it comes to electrical, uh, music in liturgical settings? and for them to become more efficient and in the ministry as well. I know many of our choirs are volunteers, uh, they're not getting paid, uh, they're not professionals in their funds, but how can they actually be able to uh, get these resources either through the C, uh, OCP uh, website or any other resources that the Catholic Church provides in order for them to be able to provide a, an adequate and a better liturgical experience through the music. Uh, there's a lot of new music that has come out, especially uh, on the Hispanic side. Pedro has provided a whole composition of wonderful music, uh, which that allows a different flow and a different sense of liturgical experience. So these going to provide a little bit of perspective on how, what some of the changes that have occurred since uh, the last missile, um, modifications that have happened in the mm-hmm. US and what things are appropriate in electrical settings and what is not. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the conversations we want to bring in as we're going into this eucharistic revival process as
1: well. Boy that's a, you know that's something that sometimes you just don't think about and that's really important stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't wait I can't wait. Is he gonna sing for us too? Yes, he
2: will be good he will be. It's going to be work. animators throughout the breaks as well, so we're going to have a wonderful uh, speaker/slash singer throughout the whole day. That's Dude. great. You know, and we should stress
1: members. people. Uh, the Holy Mass is included in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, explain for people that have, have never been. Uh, you know, we, we talk about all the you know the keynotes and some of the breakout sessions and and the workshops, et cetera. Explain how the day will run. What time do people get there? And, and then and then what happens? So so, maybe people that haven't been there before and maybe a little hesitant uh, sort of have a heads up on, on what to expect.
2: Yes. So if, if you're a school teacher or faculty uh, from our recovery schools, on Friday it would start at 8 a.m. That's when those open up. There's going to be coffee available from our Newman Center. Uh, and then the main conference would start at 9 a.m. Uh, from there, we're going to have a uh, welcome, opening remarks, and then we're going to start with Mass early in the morning with Bishop at 9.15. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the Mass, we're going to have a small break. That's when our uh, first keynote uh, speaker will go, Father Michael Martin. Second of all, after that keynote speaker, the schools are going to break down based on, on their uh, schools and and, and uh, uh smaller groups within this, uh, their school's uh, departments to have a group discussion. Lunch, they come back, there's a, a, a second, uh, a little bit of warm up. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be with pleasure getting them activated and motivated for our uh, second uh, keynote speaker, which will be uh, the Eucharistic Revival speakers of the committee. They're going to be all introduced. Uh, so they know who the diocesan committee is and then after that, it's going to be uh, uh, Carla uh, Morelos to finish out the last conversation about how we we should work with listening our, listening to our students and, and seeing those first, uh, first signs of mental health. They're going to go into a breakout session to discuss uh, what the keynote speaker has uh, talked about. And usually it finishes around three o'clock on Friday. Uh, and it's almost the same format for Saturday, is slightly different. When it comes to uh, the doors being open, those will be open at 8 a.m. Conference starts exactly at 9. We have Mass with Bishop in the morning at 9 small break. Keynote speaker in English with Father Daniel Williams. And then meanwhile, the Spanish group is going to have their own breakout sessions. So all the sessions that we have with all the other speakers will be uh, that would be round 1 or 8. Small break, we come, we switch our keynote speaker. So now that, now it's going to be the Spanish one going with Father Daniel Williams, so, and then the English are going to have the first rounds of workshops.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: After that, we'll have a lunch, uh, and then our last session will be both English and Spanish uh, workout sessions throughout the whole um available for anyone who wants to attend them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so that one's going to be our biggest uh, group of sessions. So we have plenty of classes. I think we have 20 workshops on both wow. English and Spanish, especially in the last one. There's a lot more options on, this, on the last one as well. And then we close around at 3 o'clock in the afternoon.
1: So do, you, so do people have uh, their uh, choice of sessions? Uh, how does that work? Yes, so when they register. So we
2: just register, make sure that they select their dietary restrictions if there's any. And the sessions are going to be based on which workshops they feel called to, to go. So part of the program, as the registering everything. They're going to a little program, a little booklet, that's going to have all the sessions of each workshop provided depending on session A, B, or C. Uh, and they're going to choose on their own which one they prefer to go. So it's not, for, it's not pre-selected. Uh, we didn't want to restrict people to, to a particular workshop ahead of time. Uh, we wanted to provide them with the option of choosing where they wanted to go. Each session has the name of the speaker who's going to be speaking and also a small bio and description of what the workshop is. That way people can choose during their breaks or as they're coming in and as a little situation, if they have time, just go through the, set, uh, through the program and see which classes. Uh, our workshops are on at ten uh, in the first session, second, ten, um, and obviously when it's the keynote speaker just now. That's the only session going on, but that's how the break, uh, this workshops, workshops are broken out, to, uh, out, and that's how, how people can select which ones they want to go
1: to. Very good, well, Moises. Uh I, know, I pray for uh, the best ministry days ever, and I'm sure it's going to happen. And uh, thanks for all your great work on this, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, God's blessings on, on all of you. No, thank
2: you, Bob. Thank you for having me. And uh, I hope everyone joins us in
1: ministry days. Very good. Thanks so much, Moises. That's Moises uh, de Leon. Uh, and yeah. Uh, Go to ministrydays.com, Friday the 23rd, Saturday the 24th, St. Francis Catholic High School. You can call 916-733-0135 or go to ministrydays.com to register. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. Well,
0: here I am in a river of questions. And I pour my
2: heart out to a listening ear But I see this life, its valleys and mountains And I think of all the
0: roads that brought me here Oh, that brought me here Walking down, walking down the road Well, I've questioned my reason.